Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Easter represents the dawning of a new day. Amen, everybody. It's a dawning of a new day. And that's exactly what I hope. And, you know, I want to read to you a portion of the Easter story because I think it sort of sets the tone and reminds us of what actually happened on that early morning. Matthew 28, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so terror, so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. In other words, they passed out, everybody. What would you do if an angel showed up? The angel of the Lord said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. You ever been there? Afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. That... That event that I just shared with you was so powerful that there's no one that can deny it. People testify of this event all the time, and you do too. Every time that you write your birth date or any date, you are identifying with Jesus Christ because the BC was before Christ. The AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, Jesus split time right in two. And every time that you write a date down, you're recognizing that Jesus came on this earth. Amen, everybody? That day split history. And so today I want to share with you that I'm beginning a brand new series today that we'll be doing the next couple of weeks. It's called The Miracle of Mercy. And I think that's what Easter is all about, the miracle of God's mercy on us. And you need God's mercy in your life, and I need it. Amen? Amen. Let me just say this. Without God's mercy, you wouldn't be here. Without God's mercy, you wouldn't have the air that you breathe. You wouldn't have the strength that you have. You wouldn't have the roof over your head that you have. You wouldn't have the job you have. You wouldn't be in the home that you have. You wouldn't have the vehicle. you. It's God's mercy, everybody, that's on us that's given us what we have. And so today, this verse in Luke 1 and 78, I want you to look at it with me because it's so powerful. It says, with the loving mercy of our God, would you read out loud the next three words? A new day 
a new day from heaven will dawn on us. And that's what we're looking for is a new day. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of tired of COVID-19. I, don't, I want a new day, don't you? Amen. I'm tired of all this stuff and I'm looking for a new day with the Lord. So today we're going to talk about mercy. And it's through this series, The Miracle of Mercy. But I'd like to give you a definition of what mercy is. And this definition is coming on the screen because I want you to see it. Look what it is. So mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. Undeserved forgiveness. In other words, you're going to be forgiven, but you don't deserve it. And unearned kindness. There's nothing that you can do to earn the kindness of God. You didn't deserve his forgiveness and you didn't earn his kindness. And so that's what mercy is. And we want to talk about that today. So I want to talk to you about, I want to go right into God's word. And, and Jesus, he does some amazing things. And there's three things that he did in the scripture that I want to point out today that where he displayed his mercy. And, he, and by displaying his mercy, he always helps somebody. And so today I hope you can identify with one of the three persons that we'll be talking about today. So the first thing I would like to say, when do I need God's mercy? I need God's mercy when I have messed up, okay? Would you write that down? When I have messed up, I need God's mercy. Now, after you write that down, I want you to look at me because I got a question I want to ask every person in this room and those of you online as well. How many would say with me that I'm going to raise my hand to identify that I have messed up before? Anybody in this room? Okay, let me see. I'm looking for the liars right now. What hands are not raised? Amen. All of us have messed up. You can put your hands down. Every one of us have messed up. And because of that messing up, we need God's mercy because we've all messed up. The first place that we see, I want to point your attention to, there's a woman that has done something really wrong and she's messed up. And the religious people of her day are calling her out. And matter of fact, they're calling her out so much that they want to kill her. So look what it says right here. In John 8 and 3, it says this, the teacher of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in what, everybody? Adultery. That's bad right there. I mean, that's just bad, all right? That's bad. They made her stand up before the group, that's even worse, and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the what, everybody? So it wasn't just that I heard about her. No, somebody walked in on her. Okay, well, I guess you don't read the Bible like that, but <laughs> that's what it means to me. Somebody, in the act, somebody walked in. <laughs> and the law of Moses commands us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, what I want to take a break in this story to just bring you up to speed. What's happened? Someone went in, caught this woman. They drug her out in the street. They got the religious people around them. The religious people drug her to the street to make a public spectacle of her. They wanted to humiliate her. They wanted to embarrass her. And when the commotion started in their town, everybody gathered around. 
And so as they gathered around, they drug her to where Jesus was at because they were trying to get Jesus. They knew that Jesus did not want to kill anybody. And but if he said that she cannot be killed, then he'd be breaking the commandment, the law. And then therefore he could never be who he said he was because uh, Messiah would not break the law. And so Jesus did this. He didn't say anything. He just bent down and started started writing in the sand. And then they, they weren't paying attention to what he was writing. They just kept yelling, come on, Jesus, let's stone her. Isn't that what the law says? Don't you agree with the law? Don't you agree with the Bible? Come on, Jesus. And then Jesus stood up and said, okay, you just without the first sin cast the stone. Well, they were okay with that because they felt like they were, you know, they were special. They, they had all their ducks in a row. Until after that, I think someone pointed to the ground and when they pointed to the ground, they began to look at what Jesus was writing. And as Jesus had written on the ground, I believe, now the scholars have debated for years what Jesus wrote. Nobody knows, but I want to tell you what I think he wrote. I think he wrote their girlfriend's names. <laughs> I, think he did. I think he wrote, oh, Sarah. Oh, Hadi Sasha. Shanay <laughs> I believe he wrote all, I believe he wrote those names on the ground. See, he did something like that because all of a sudden the Bible says they just started dropping those stones and walking away. Nobody was left. I think it freaked them out. It scared them to death, whatever he did. Now, what I want you to notice is this, is that Jesus protected this woman's dignity, even though she'd done something really wrong. And I think we've got a problem in our community that we need to learn. We, if you're a Christ follower, you should learn from this. Is that just because someone messes up, you shouldn't take and tell everybody. Just because, listen, just because you go to lunch today and your server doesn't do the best job, you should never uh, snap a picture of them and then put them on social media and say, never go there. This person's a horrible person. People do that. You should never, ever, when you get in an argument or have a disagreement with someone, you should never let your thumbs do the talking. You know, I've seen, I've seen husbands and wives get mad at each other, and instead of talking out in private, they take it public, and they blast each other on social media. How stupid is that? I mean, listen, if you have an argument, at least you can say, well, I didn't say that. Oh, yes, you, no, I didn't say that. But if you type it out, you can't deny it. privately and what I want you to know is that Jesus did not he did not condemn this woman nor did he condone her he changed her he changed her why because he forgave her it was God's mercy that forgave her and by forgiving her he freed her that's what God's mercy does for you. By you receiving God's mercy and forgiveness, then it frees you from your past sins. It's no longer held against you, everybody. Somebody may bring that up to you, but God will never bring it back up to you. So what I'm trying to tell you today, in order for you to move ahead in your life, you gotta receive God's mercy that you can let go of your regrets and that you can embrace your future. Amen, everybody? And the devil knows he's got you because every time you think about going forward, 
Lord in your life. Every time you think about moving ahead, he reminds you of that thing that you did that you can't get out of your mind. And he will bring it to your mind and make you feel guilty and ashamed. But what I'm telling you today is if you've asked Jesus because of God's mercy to forgive you, then you can let go of that and you can remind him that that is under the blood. Jesus Christ paid the price for that and you can embrace your future. Amen, everybody? You can embrace your future. Also, some of us in this room have something else we need to let go of. And that is called resentment. And that is that we're still holding on to what somebody else has done to us. Some of you in this room, those people are dead and gone and you're still holding on to it. And you're never going to be able to be free until you receive the power of God's mercy through forgiveness and you exercise some forgiveness and let it go that you can begin to embrace your future that God has for you. That's exactly what Jesus told this woman. Look what he said. He said this. Jesus asked her, woman, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Did you see that? He said, I don't condone and I don't condemn. Just change your ways. And that's exactly where he left. I want to ask you a question. What's holding you captive? What is it that you're holding on to that's keeping you from moving forward to where God wants you to be? And that's a question that only God's mercy can give you. It gives you the forgiveness that gives you the freedom, everybody. Amen? Once you receive that forgiveness, it gives you the freedom to move forward in your life. So the question that we ask is, you know, when do I need God's mercy? The second thing is this, when do I need God's mercy? I need God's mercy when I don't have what I need. I need God's mercy when I don't have what I need. That's when I need God's mercy. Now, let me just say this to you. See, we live in America and, we're, and America is like, we're independent, independent. Well, let me tell you something. You're not to be independent from God. You're to be dependent on God. Amen, everybody? He wants us to be dependent on Him. It's not to be independent from Him. And we understand this as parents as well. Is that, you know, when there's times that we want our children to ask us questions and really want to know what we got to say. Amen? We, we, we love it when our kids say, you know what? Hey, I got a problem here. I've tried everything, but tell me what you think, oh, wise one. Yes. I'm glad you come. Come and sit down. Let me sit on my royal throne here. Okay, mint recliner, everybody. <laughs> I got a call from my son a couple of weeks, uh, about a month or so ago. And he said, Dad, I need your help. He never asked for help. My son's 30 years old. Can you believe that? I mean, somebody, we had our child when we was nine. <laughs> he said, Dad, I need your help. I said, what is it? I mean, I just, he got my attention because he never says that. He said, Dad, I've taken my car. He said, I'm having a problem with it. It's, it's balancing and it's pulling to the right. And he said, Dad, uh, I just want you to know that I can't get it fixed. I've done everything you taught me. I've taken it and I've asked them to align my car and I've asked them to rotate my tires and it's still messed up. I can't get it fixed. Can you help me? I said, sure, son, bring it down. Now, I don't know what he thought I was going to do because I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> but what I did do is I took my car, I took his car down to one-stop car care with my friend Jerry and Jerry took care of it. 
And so Jerry t- t- told me, he said, hey, what he's got, he's got a tire that that's has rotting from the inside. You can't see it, but it's breaking down. So, so I said, Jerry, put my son four tires on that car. Jerry, would you just make sure the brakes are good on that car? Jerry, anything you else you see that's wrong with that car, let's go ahead and fix it. And when I gave my car back to my son, I gave it much back to him in much better shape than he brought it to me. Why did I do that? Because I'm his dad that loves him and wants to do good for him. And I'm telling you that you've got a heavenly father that wants to bless you and say, if you just depend on me, if you just come with me. Now, listen, you got to do what you can do. Then God will do what he can do. Amen. And I want you, he wants to bless you. You got to believe that your heavenly father wants good for you. And if I know how to give good gifts to my son, how much more our father in heaven. Amen, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. So we see the second story. Jesus walks into, the ga- in, into a gate in Jerusalem. It's called a sheep gate. There's a wall around the city of Jerusalem and there's a gate there. And again, there's a gate called the sheep. Why is it called the sheep gate? Because that's the gate the sheep come in. There you go. Wow. There you go. You have it. As he goes in this gate, he notices inside of this gate, there is, uh, once he gets inside the city, there is like a pool. You know, a pool that's built there. And, and these people are around that pool. Many of the people that are around the pool are not in their bathing suits. They're in their pool because they believe that when the water, when the water moves, when the water moves, they believe that an angel moves that water. And if they can get in that water, they will be healed. So around that pool is a lot of people that are sick, that are lame, that are, you know, that are paralyzed. They're, they're around that pool. And so as they're around that pool, Jesus comes in and he begins to see one of those people. So we pick up the story. Look what it says here. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool where the water is stirred, when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, let me just stop here just a second and tell you something really good. First of all, I want you to know that Jesus saw the man that people quit seeing. He'd been there, he goes there every day. He's been there for 38 years. Someone gets him there for 38 years. And so, you know, when, when you keep seeing someone in the same place, you don't see them anymore. It's like when we get off I-75 and we see the same guy holding the same sign every day. We don't see him anymore, do we? We're like, listen, I done helped you out 10 times. I don't see you anymore. Right, I'm like, okay, oh, you got your, oh, it's Easter. Like, oh, not me, not me. I got Jesus all the time and I help every one of them. Yeah, you liars. <laughs> Jesus saw him. That's so critical because I want you to know that Jesus still sees us. Even though we think it's been a long time, he still sees us. For example, this week, we call it Love Week at SEC, the week before Easter. We go out in our community, hundreds of our people from Stockbridge Community Church went out our community and served in our community. And the brave people went with me. The true godly people went with me. Rhonda stayed home. <laughs> we do what's called prayer on the square. That means we see people walking around the square and we will say, hey, can I ask you a question? They'll say, sure, what is the question? We say, can we pray for you? 
And so then we, then we ask them, what can we pray for them about? So like Rhonda don't like going to strangers and all that kind of stuff. So I'm doing that. But we go down. So we was down there Wednesday evening, Wednesday evening, about seven o'clock. There was about 20 of us there. And we all went to different portions of the square. Well, there, there's a group with me, about four or five. And this young, these young ladies come up. Now, let me tell you something. The older you get, the younger people look. You agree with that? Yes. So I thought maybe they're 17, 18 years old. So they come up. I said, hey, ladies. I said, uh, I got a question for you. Well, it sort of freaked them out. They was going to have the wrong answer. I said, what? I said, I, I would like to ask you, how can we pray for you? Oh, they went, okay. I said, sure, we'd like you to pray, but I don't really know. I said, do you got a boyfriend you need me to pray out of your life? They, they did what you did, started laughing. I said, how about your health? You know, or how about a job? Is there anything I pray for you about? And then I, one of the guys who never says anything in our group said, so he said, how about a baby? <laughs> what? A baby? I said, are you crazy? I mean, I didn't say that to him, but I said it to myself. You're nuts. I couldn't believe this man let that out. And when he said that, one girl went. Nobody said anything. She's going, I'm like, what is it? And then the other young lady who was a little older than I thought, she was in her mid-20s, she'd been married and is married, began to cry because she'd been praying for a baby. What I thought was the stupidest thing anybody could say was actually an act of God letting this young lady know that he had his eye on her and that he saw her and that he heard her prayers. And I want you to know that that same God that touched this man is the same God that touched that woman. It's the same God that sees you and he's got his eye on you. He's hearing your prayer. It may not have come past it yet, but God wants you to know he sees you, he cares about you, and he's got you. Amen, everybody? He's got you. Jesus asked the question. Did you hear the question there? It sounds like a, a dumb question. Do you want to get well? Well, the man's been paralyzed for 38 years, begging for 38 years, asking, do you want to get well? And it sounds like a dumb question, but it's not really a dumb question because what I found out is what Jesus knew. Not everybody that's sick wants to get well. Not everybody that's sick wants to get well. I've been the pastor's church for 27 years. I cannot tell you the hundreds of couples I met with that said, we've got problems in our marriage. We got a financial issue. And we say, okay, well, here's some things that may help. Well, if you go do these things here, then you might get on the right track. It, it could help you. And watch them walk out and go right back to their same old dysfunction. See, some people are so used to being miserable, they don't want to take a chance on a change. Because, because see, getting well means I got to change. And we want everybody else to change. We don't want to change. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked for that. <laughs> Look what happens here. The man began to complain. He said, when the water stirs, guess what? Somebody else goes ahead of me. He began to get bitter at those people around him. And so what I want you to see right here is that because of God's mercy, the impossible, the impossible becomes possible when we begin to trust God's mercy. We begin to see that. Look what Jesus said to him. 
Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And what I want to say this to you is that any time that you say that this is impossible, just stop, put your hand behind your ear and listen because you're going to hear heaven laughing when you say it's impossible. Because Jesus said this, look what Jesus said in Luke 18 and 27. Whatever's impossible with man, men is what everybody? It's possible with God. The problem you think is impossible in your life is possible with God. Now let me just say this to you. There's some things in our life that we've been dealing with for a long time and we've asked God to help us with it and asked God to deliver us. But let me tell you something. He hasn't done it. But what he has done is given us the ability to handle what we've been dealt. Amen, everybody? That's in, when, when other people, when you look at other people and say, I don't know how they handle that. It's because you don't have the power that God gave them to handle that. And so everything in your life is not, may not always go away, but what will happen is the impossible power of God will give you what you need to get through what you're going through and that you can handle what comes your way. Amen, everybody. That's the power of God. It's the power of God. So remember, the power of God does the impossible. The third thing I'd like to share with you about God's mercy and why we need it. We need God's mercy when we're facing death. When we're facing death. Only a fool, only a fool would put off making a decision when they know the inevitable is coming. Only a fool will ignore the inevitable. It's coming. And every one of us is going to die. Every one of us. Every one of us. Death rate is 100%. Amen, everybody? Unless, we, unless you go back and listen to what we talked about the last couple of weeks, that Jesus is going to come. And, and when he comes, that's going to be wonderful because I don't know about you, but I'd rather just hear that trumpet toot and we all scoot. I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I want to go with you. You know, I don't want you to have to come by my casket and say, oh, bless his heart. No, don't bless my heart. My heart's gone. You know, it's, it's no heart there. You have to walk by people's casket and lie. Oh, they were such a good person the whole time you're going, oh boy, they wasn't either. <laughs> I won't have to lie when I preach a sermon over their funeral. God, they was a good person. Jesus, forgive me. Be good so I don't have to lie over your body, right? <laughs> Too real today, isn't it? You're number five, everybody. This is it, number five. Don't tell them what you're going to get. But we should take very seriously this. Jesus, again, is on the cross between two thieves, and they're having a conversation. Look what they say. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Shut up, you idiot. Okay. You just got to read the Bible. They didn't write everything down, all right? <laughs> Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, then he said, Jesus said these two words. Let's say those next two words. 
Remember me. Let's say those again. Remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. What was the man saying? The man was saying, I can't save myself. He did all these wrong things trying to save himself because he wouldn't listen to nobody and he ended up on a cross and he realized at the end, here, I can't save myself. I can't save myself. I want to ask you a question. What are you betting your life on? What are you doing to save yourself? Do you think that if you get enough in your bank account that you'll be saved? Do, do, do you think that, you know, if you can just meet the right person, then you'll be saved? What, 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 do you, what do you think? What is it that you're betting your life on? And anything outside of betting your life on Jesus is the wrong answer. You see, we may live on this earth 60, 80, maybe 100 years. But after that, it's about eternity. You see, death is not the end, death is the beginning. And every person in this room that is watching online as well, every person is going to spend eternity somewhere, somewhere. And so what I would challenge you to do is think about that. Where are you going to, where are you going to spend eternity at? Because it's going to matter. Here, we, like I said, we may live 60, 80, 100 years, but there we're going to be there trillions of years, trillions of years. I want to share this story with you. On April the 14th, 1912, a tragedy happened. 1,496 people died. It was called the, the accident of the Titanic. I'll show you, this is a picture of the Titanic. People bought tickets to get on this cruise ship that was brand new, that was told that it would never sink. There was no way that you could sink this ship. No way, it wouldn't sink. They, they, they had proven, every, they'd done everything possible and there was no way this ship would ever sink. And these people got on this ship. Almost 3,000 people got on this ship and they set sail and they were partying, living it up. I mean, just having a grand time until midnight. And when mid, the clock struck midnight, the ship struck an iceberg and it ripped a hole in the side of the ship. When it did, the unsinkable ship began to take on water. And all of a sudden, the people that began to notice that the water was coming in began to alarm, uh, 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 let the others know that, hey, this thing's taking on water. We not, might should do something. But they've continued to ignore the warning. They ignored it. The, the ship began to take on more water. And everybody said, listen, they begin to say, listen, this ship is taking on water. We need to get off of this ship. And they refused to receive the warning. This is an unsinkable ship. Let's party, have a good time. It's going to be okay. It took on more water. Then people began to panic and said, listen, we got to get people off this ship. They went around. It was midnight. People were sleeping there in their rooms. They went out knocking on cabin doors. Knock, hey, the ship's going down. The ship's going down. But because they were on the Titanic and they were told it would never sink, they ignored the warning. That's why many of the lifeboats on the Titanic were not even half full because people kept ignoring the warnings. What I want to tell you is this, is that when the SOS went out from the Titanic, it's going under. 
There was another ship called the Carpathia that was 60 miles away. And the Carpathia and its crew put their own lives in jeopardy by breaking through ice and dodging the iceberg themselves to get to the Titanic in order that it, they may save some people. And because of the Carpathia ship endangering its own self, over 700 people were saved. Why do I tell you that story? Because we're on the Titanic, people. Every one of you know this, that the last couple of years have been crazy. And this world is in trouble. And we all know that it's not going to last. It's going down. And so what I want to offer you today is to make you aware what Jesus did. Is that Jesus broke through all of that to become our Savior. People say this to me. They said, Jeff, how can a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send anybody to hell. We're all on our way. The ship's going down. It's the Titanic. But Jesus himself has broken through everything that would hold him back. That's what Easter is all about. He broke through death, hell, and the grave. He took your sin, my sin, everything upon himself that he might become that lifeboat that's here right now to say, get on the ship with me. And if you'll give your life to me, then guess what? When this ship goes down, your ship will go up. And that is God's desire for every person in this room is that no one be lost, that everyone be saved. And like then, they ignored the warnings. They ignored the warnings. They ignored the warnings. And listen, we can't ignore the warnings anymore. We've got to, there's warnings. The sirens are going off now. And now's the time for you to get on the ship. I'd like for every person just to bow your head with me and close your eyes, please, every person. If you say, Pastor Jeff, I realize today that I'm not saved. And if, the, and if it all goes down, I'm going down with it because I'm not saved. I want to ask you right now, if that's you, I would never, ever do anything to embarrass you. I promise you, never, ever, ever. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. If you say, Pastor Jeff, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Right now, with nobody looking around with me, please, would you just raise your hand up and right back down? Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Yes, I see your hands. I see your hands. Yes, 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 I see that. Anybody else? I, I want to be saved. Just up and right back down. You can put your hands down. I'd like for every person in this room to pray this prayer with me. And if you, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be saved, just say this prayer and mean it in your heart and God will save you. You'll get on that ship with Jesus. Every person, let's say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I need you. Save me. I receive today your mercy and your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me. I'm on my way to heaven. Thank you. Amen. 
Come on, can we give God a hand for that, everybody? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Heaven just got bigger. Now, what I want you to do is this. You have this card. If you prayed that prayer today, would you just check that box that I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower before you, before you take it with you? And then one other thing. You need to be baptized. The, la- the first thing Jesus did before he started his ministry was he got baptized. And the last thing he told us to do was get baptized. You can go to heaven not being baptized, but you won't go to heaven obediently. So why don't you do that? And let me just say this. Next Sunday, I'm going to be in the pool myself. I'm going to be baptizing. I'm going to be 54 next week. 54. That's right. 54. I know some of you thought I wouldn't make it this long. I'd like to baptize 54 people. At least 54. So if you'd like to be rebaptized, you say, well, I got baptized when I was a kid. Yeah, your parents enjoyed that. You got baptized when you was a teenager. Yeah, we enjoyed that too. But you haven't, you know, you've rededicated your life since then. We want to, I want to baptize. I want to do a rededication baptism. Rhonda and I did it uh, several years ago in the Jordan River. If you want to do that, just check the box on the card. I'd love to baptize you next week. All right? Would you stand with me, everybody? Oh, you're in for a treat right now. We saved the best for last. I've asked this, I've asked our worship team to sing this song in order to say thank you to God for what he's done for us. And today, and let me just say this, as we sing this song, if you feel like I want to just come down and pray, you come down and pray. But I want you to listen to the words of this song and the parts that you know, I want you to sing it because this is from our hearts and we just want to say thank you God for what he did for us on that cross. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.